fucking concerts and shit. <laughs> See, at at the Company Flow concert, actually, honestly, at the Company Flow concert, like, it was, like, a lot of, like, skinny white guys like me. Yeah. But it was also, like, you know, like, all kinds of heads. And, the, and it was mostly heads. Like, I was expecting, honestly, it was sold out. I was expecting there to be a fair amount of hipsters. Right. And I was surprised, happily surprised, that it really was not hipstered out at all, from what I could tell. It was just nerdy motherfuckers who came up in the 90s listening yep. to hip-hop. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, from all walks of life. And, like, definitely, you know, probably... 85%, if not 90%, male. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, well, women weren't digging company flow, were they? The occasional nerdy woman was definitely hype. I, I even went on Twitter because I wanted to check if there were any, like, you know, photos from the show. I wanted to see what the those cats from GrandGood.com or all of that shows, like, videotaping and shit. And I wanted yeah. to see what kind of, what their reaction was. And, yeah. uh, and I found some other, like, there was a couple of women who were like, I can't believe I'm going to the Company Flow show. It's going to be incredible. Because the thing is, just to get real nerdy, like, if you're going to look at, like, I mean, I moved to New York in 96, so I won't say it's near the end, but it was kind of the middle. But if you came up in New York on some hip-hop underground, starting in, like, 92, 93, through to 98, say, 99. Okay. But especially if you came up, Company Flow, man, like, that was getting a lot of play on Stretch and Bob. Even if you weren't really feeling all their shit, especially when LP got a little more abstract with it, I think yeah. that they're just one of those groups that was foundational to, like, underground New York rap. Oh, yeah. Like, they were, they were even, if, exact, even if you weren't, like, uh, you know, even if you thought LP was a little too abstract with it or they were just too weird or bugged out, like... It was still like, yo, company flow, like that signified an era, you know what I mean? Yeah, and and <clears throat> a sound, I mean, so if it was, so were they contemporaries with like people like uh, Rhyme Sayers and all the stuff that was happening out in Minnesota? Um, was that the same time? It feels that like... Was, that was a little later. Yeah, so, so Code yeah. Flow helped spark all cats like that. Like you yeah. wouldn't have a, a slug without... I don't think so. I mean, you know, those cats were in the middle, and they were kind of, I think, inspired also by, like, Living Legends out in the West Coast. Oh, sure. But, uh, and Project Blow. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, you're right. But, I mean, I think the three... To me, the three... Well, I don't want to put, you know, too many people on a pedestal. I mean, but I think Company Flow and Juggernauts and kind of those those... Those those groups that spent a lot of time on Stretch and Bob, mm-hmm. that Bobito and Stretch gave, especially Bobito gave a lot of play, like, and that ended up he ended up putting out on his own label on Fondalum. Yeah. So, so that would be Company Flow, MF Doom, um, Juggernauts, um, and then to a lesser degree, I'd say like Sciences of Life and like uh, Cage. Okay. But. But those those first three, even though Juggernauts didn't put out a lot of product, like 
that was really like that. And, oh, and, and I'd say, you know, and then you have like, you know, uh, Natural Resource with, with uh, Jean Grey or formerly What What. And, you know. She, she was Natural Resource. Yeah, she was one of the, um, in the group Natural Resource. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I just knew of her from joints with like uh, Herbalizer and stuff like that. Yeah, That's yeah, how I got yeah. hit to What What. Yeah, yeah. That was post after they put out, they put out. A 12-inch, one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest underground hip-hop 12-inches. Um, nat- natural Resource, Negro League, with yep. the B-side, They Lied. And then there's another cut on there that's incredible. And that 12-inch, with a label that didn't even have, like, I don't even know if it had contact information. It might have had, like, a phone number to the Making Records label or something. But I had a classic logo. That 12-inch, I think, sold, like, 40,000 copies. Wow. Independently. It, I, I, to be totally honest with you, I don't think I heard of Negro League until today when this cat Loophole Beats, who's out of Wisconsin, posted the link to the YouTube joint. Word. Because I really wasn't checking for like, the underground stuff. I, I was at some party in, uh, uh, in Hampton, and my dude Khalil, who's just, just fell through, he's out here in the universes, but he was just in Madison, he came through with uh, Fun Crusher Plus. And that was my intro to all of that. Mm-hmm. But but it had been popping for a while before Fun Crusher Plus came out, right? Yeah, because Fun Crusher, this is getting so nerdy hip-hop, but... Yeah, I mean... But, we, but, but Fun Crusher came out on on clear blue vinyl. Um, Not on Finalum, but on uh, another another independent label. They might have put it out themselves, actually. It, I forget. it wasn't Rockus, or Rockus just no, did Rockus, Fun Crusher Plus? Rockus re... They put it out with extra tracks to Fun Crusher Plus. So, gotcha. Company Flow, I just actually found out today that they had a 12-inch back in, like, 92 or 93, but they've been doing music, and they put out their kind of first major release, Fun Crusher, double vinyl, clear blue vinyl, um... It was one of the first records I ever bought at Fat Beats back in 96. Uh, and then, after that, they put out a series of 12 inches, the Indelibles joint. That's where it got those kind of, those beats that a lot of people were like, what the fuck is he doing? The doom 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 like that shit. Yeah, yeah. And the Indelibles shit. And you either kind of hated it or you li- or you loved it. And... Yeah. uh but then they kind of took all that, and then the Rockets signed them, and they put them out, as, it all out as Fun Crusher Plus. And they, then they got a little more buzz, even though some of the joints have been, like, two or three years old. But, but I mean, like, the thing is, like, Natural Resource, right? I don't, maybe that's on a mixtape or a compilation somewhere, but that shit never came out digital. That was strictly vinyl. It was on lots of mixtapes. Premier put it on his mixtape. Uh-huh. But uh, some of those joints were strictly vinyl. And the fact is, and I think we mentioned this on an early, earlier podcast, you're in Cleveland, I'm in Portland. It's bef- the internet is just starting to pop off. Just starting. There's no MP3s. No. People's hard drives are like 50, 50 megabytes big. You know, like, it's 95, yeah. 96. Like, there's just no way to get this shit unless you had a connection to New York, basically. And the yeah. only reason, I mean, not not no way, but I think that the only reason I knew about it is because I knew this dude who now goes by self-titled in in Florida, and right. he had a cousin, family in New York, 
who would get him the 12 inches and he'd order them I would go up to New York and get them and then he'd make me mixtapes wow and then and then I didn't even have a bunch of stuff then and then once I went to New York then I could actually go to Fat Beats and get the vinyl but like you know, like, I was in Portland, like, I was lucky to be checking for B-sides on 12 inches, you know? Like, at the one spot, or one or two spots in Portland that had hip-hop 12 inches, let alone, um, you know, underground New York shit. I, I just, I wonder if, I mean, I know I wasn't hip to it, but, but like, so I'm, I'm in Virginia. I'm sure that stuff is making its way down, because there was so many cats from New York. And I went to Hampton, and I went to the HBCUs that were there in Virginia, down in D.C., uh-huh. you know. Um, but I, I didn't really float. I was kind of in some, I hate to use this term, but I guess it's true, like kind of neo solely type circles. Like cats were, were tripping on acid jazz and drum and bass and stuff. So we were really, really checking for underground New York hip-hop. And to us, you know, like, um, I was listening to Stakes as High, the other day, you know, the line, you know, I think it's on Stakes is High when Pa says the underground is about not being exposed. So best to take your naked ass and pawn some clothes, right? Like that, to us, Daylight was underground, right? And it wasn't until Khalil came through with the company flow. So I say a lot to say there might have been cats in Cleveland who were up on it. Because when I got back there, I got in a poetry scene, scene, which was more, you know, more neo-soldy stuff. You know, cats were, were you know, playing D'Angelo records and shit. I mean, I think... And Omar, you know. Omar. Omar. You really brought it back with Omar. Yeah, Omar was serious. Omar um, had joints. Omar. But yeah, so it might... It, the homie remix, somebody like that, Osman, uh, Infrared, that whole crew, uh, Primates. It was a lot of cats who probably were checking for New York Indian underground hip-hop. But I, I don't know if they were rocking those. I, I don't know. Cats in Seattle had it. Because okay. I, I would check for the Flavor magazine. Shout out, Seattle heads know about the Flavor magazine. Um, mm. And uh, they would have a little list of the hot underground singles, right? And mm. this is some real DJ shit. And I remember looking at the list and being like, who the fuck are these guys? And now when I look back at the couple of Flavor magazines that I still have at my dad's house in a box somewhere. Mm-hmm. It would say, like, Jurassic 5, like, their first 12-inch, or, like, Company Flow, or, like, you know, like, it would have cats that, you know, a couple years later I knew about them. But back when I was checking Flavor Magazine in 94, 95, I didn't really know who these cats were because I wasn't a DJ. The fact was, in Portland, literally, I think Cool Nuts told my man this once when he asked him why Cool Nuts wasn't... I don't know if... I'm getting real nerdy. Cool Nuts is, like, godfather of Portland rap. Right. Um... And I remember one of my friends asked him once, why won't he put his shit on vinyl? And his answer was, there's only six DJs in Portland that would actually play that. And this is before, you know, DJing blew up or whatever. Right. Because the hip-hop scene in Portland was, that was real underground like that and real vinyl, vinyl nerdy, especially on the West Coast, was extremely small. Cats were selling tapes out the trunk. Cats, was, cats were trying to pass CDs off, but like vinyl... Seattle had a connect, but then you had the whole L.A. scene. I mean, I think a lot of this is localized, but yeah, for sure. but if you're in L.A. or New York, you get that extra exposure because you're in L.A. or New York. Yeah. So that's why cats in the Midwest say in Minnesota, Minneapolis, 
they're going to find out about Project Bloat and try to, like, maybe mimic those styles or whatever a little bit. Right, right. And cats in Chicago or in Cleveland <clears throat> or, or Detroit, they might find out about that New York shit. Yeah, and, and you know. It, it, it's interesting, like, when you sang Cool Nuts, said there's only six DJs who will play that. Like, as I've been thinking about, like, who would have played something like that? And, and not that I really know all the, all the DJs, but I do know the homie... Uh, Mick Boogie had a radio show at John Carroll, so it might have been a college radio thing too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I could imagine natural resources. Like, okay, let's get this out to college radio stations or the select college DJs mm-hmm. yeah. that would spin it. And the homie Mickey, who's huge now, Mick Boogie, he would have spun it. Mecca Sunshine probably would have spun it if she had it. If she was hip to it. She was on WCSB back then. And there's other cats who who had you know a whole other little little crews of DJs. Um, I don't know, just shout now, cats now. But, uh, yeah, it, it might have been around, but I just wasn't hip to it. It might have been around, but but think about it. Like, well, I don't know. Like, for instance, like, in Portland, you got maybe, like, one or two college stations, and then you got, like, the community radio station, which might have that late-night rap show on it, mm-hmm. or a couple shows. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are super, like, they're going to play East Coast underground shit, the audience is not going to be there. Yeah. At least like where I where I was at, the ones who were going to be playing some more G funk shit in the mid nineties, yep, they're going to be popping off. Right. So they, if they're going to be playing vinyl, they're going to be playing um like Spice One where I was at, rather than or Mac Mall before they played something like Natural Resource. But if they even if they had Natural Resource, that's what that's like three DJs that have Natural Resource. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I can't imagine it was more than that in Cleveland. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. And Cats definitely were playing you know, Spice One and stuff like that, too. Yeah, it was a mix. Man, we got so nerdy, but CoFlow, back to yeah. together. Yeah, what's the last time you would guess they did a show together? I believe their last show was either 2000 or 2001. They might have broken up even before that. Yeah. That shit was supposed to be supposedly dead, like, uh, but evidently, like, you know. So the the random shit, CoFlow, random, random parts of the show. Right. Juggernauts come on. They do... We're talking about the nerdiest of the most obscure nerdy rap songs. You, I don't know how many people ever went out and bought. Maybe a lot did. But outside of New York, maybe Europe, the This Morning 12-inch Mr. Len featuring Juggernauts. Uh-huh dark beat there's no way you're not dancing to it you're not doing anything except just bobbing your head and being like oh yeah i'm a fucking rap nerd i have this fucking 12 inch <laughs> which is exactly exactly what i was i love yeah. that 12 inch yeah yeah it's, it's breezy and then his sister queen heroine and they're just killing it just ridiculous lyrics dark beat the cuts are like weird like crow sounds like right and like just like hardcore rap cut, you know, like it's just a—it's like one of those fucking twelve inches from the nineties, right? They do that live. Queen Heroin comes out. So if you own that twelve inch, like me, yeah, me and those fifteen other people are like, yes. <laughs> but even that crowd, I can't imagine more than fifteen of us knew the lyrics to that song. Like we're really going there. They do that song. Number two, I'm not going in any priority order, 
Number two, kind of this is how it went. All of a sudden, Breezy is like, yo, guess who's in the building? Rob O. Westchester's in the building. And I believe this cat, this other cat from the group I and I, I think his name is Ross. Uh-huh. And so he gets up there and he's like, yo, we're I and I, and we got we got a cut, we're gonna we're gonna do worldwide. <laughs> Off Pete Rock and CL Smooth's album. Was that the was that uh that was the second one, the main ingredient. <laughs> so that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I love that cut. I was just listening to it the other day. I put on a, I put it on a mixtape a couple months ago. Worldwide, classic beat. Rob O, Grap Lover. Right. Right. P Rock. It's underground. It's probably the most underground sounding cut on the album. Would I ever expect to ever see that live? <laughs> Maybe at two in the morning on like a Pete Rock radio show. I, you're making me have to pull this up now because it's been a while. I mean, I, I play it all the time, but it's not jumping out of my head. You know, you just play a record, and it's one of the songs that come on as you're listening to it. You know what I mean? I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna pull this up. Go ahead. So, but but it's not it's not their track, right? That's what's kind of bugging me. Out well, right but they now. rap on it. They rap okay. on. It. Rob O. Rob O comes in first. He comes in. I forget that first line he says, but he comes right in at the start of the cut. So Rob O, he's a, he's a little older now. He can't believe that he's on stage doing Worldwide. He has to hype up the crowd for at least five minutes before he actually gets into the song. DJ keeps having to pull back the record. So they do Worldwide. Then they just keep it even more 1996, 1997. They do a cut from the... I don't. Know, I think it was a ever officially released the I and I album. Um, Center of attention. We're just getting yeah. so nerdy here. They Ooh, do the cut Bacon Jacks, which is a classic, classic cut. Although unbelievable no, track. No grap lover, but still classic. Rob O. So we have this two song session from Rob O. <laughs> and I mean, I really think I'm not just saying this. Because I'm a nerd, but but I am. To remember Rob O's name, this is a guy who is like he's like the big Suge of like Pete Rock's posse, except he's a better rapper. But like he's he's this guy that would just appear on albums, and then his own album never really came out. Oh yeah, you're you're going there. Like like I, I just pulled up Worldwide, and I, I definitely know the track, and I've, I've I know the voice. Like I I listen to yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Cats play uh, Fake and Jacks, right? Fake and Jacks is a little bigger. It's 12-inch, you know. It's, yeah, it's a great track. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but I wouldn't have been able to call his name. And I know up in uh, uh, one of the, the spots in Williamsburg, one of the record spots, we bumped into the Cats from somebody from I&I. &I. It might have been Robbo. No, that was the UN. Oh, that was the UN. <laughs> I'm, getting them, I'm getting them mixed up. You got to know your underground. You got to know your obscure underground identities. I'm slipping, Ian. You're picking me no, up. No, no. Is anyone listening? I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think I think we lost them at Omar. I just want to go back to Omar because I know Omar tracks. <laughs> All right. I think we, we can fast forward in a second. And then, just to jump, Gene Gray doing Taco Day. Again, a nerdy track, an early What What Gene Gray track off Mr. Len's album. Taco Day? Taco Day. 
very dramatic, very, a very intense track. I don't even want to go into the story. You should go listen to it if you haven't heard it before. Taco, Taco Day. I have not heard it, and I will. And after her second verse, because, and dressed up as the character in Taco Day, she does the verse, she does the kind of second verse, then she steps off stage for a moment because of how the song works. And suddenly, Feral Munch comes out. Whoa. And he grabs the mic, and he starts kind of like hyping up, kind of rhyming. Feral Munch isn't on Taco Day, to my knowledge. <laughs> but he's, he's on it tonight, or that night. So you hear someone say, Yo, she's not done with the song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Kind of throws the mic to someone else and disappears off stage. <laughs> Never to be seen again for the, for the duration of the show. Wow. Yeah, that was random. Um, What's your feral mind? like you can grab the mic. At a, you can at a, come out and grab the mic. Yeah. That, you know, and when you come out and grab the mic, the crowd is going to go crazy. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. But they're also going to be like, what's going on? Taco Day isn't done. And then Taco Day t- came to its dramatic conclusion. <laughs> Taco Day. You need to get up on your see, yeah, ultra-obscure hip-hop-isms. Just understand that I am... A fucking hip hop nerd. No, no, it's all good. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it, dude. I didn't even. I met Mr. Lin once and had no idea what his catalog looked like after Fun Crusher Plus. I couldn't have said one fucking thing to that man, and didn't, in fact. But I mean, what difference did it make? But the point is, yeah, no, I, I've I, never heard of Taco. Day. I have a lot of respect for Mr. Lin. I think he he always just did his own thing. Yeah, I respect that during the show, he did all his own cuts. He could have just played the overdubs. He could have, you know, like, oh, yeah. he could have not done any cuts. Like, you know, like, it's always a risk to do cuts, like raw live cuts during a show because if something fucks up, you just sound awful. You know what I mean? Right. right. Like, if it skips, if it fucking, you don't have the, if you get off rhythm or whatever, he just went for it, man. He fucking did a scratch solo session. It was classic. It was like some old school rap shit. Wow. Yeah. It was wow. a hardcore hip-hop show. I was impressed. Last time I saw LP perform, he was all right, but he was kind of whatever. It was like at the height of Def Jokes. Yeah. And he was just kind of, it was over over the top, but he was he was good. He was like, he had a good stage presence. He was, he, I, I, was I was impressed. Big Just, I, I felt like he didn't really want to be on stage most of the time. But he, sure. But when he was rhyming, he was good. Yeah. But but uh, but Len and LP, man, they really. They're stars. Like yeah. like like for. For LP to become what he's become. You know. Yeah. No, he's a legit star. And even even Len, I take it back. I like I knew about the Dicks the joint he did with uh, with Prince Paul. Which I just think it's criminally underrated. Like I don't know why people don't. I. I don't know. I mean, it's not like you could just play it. Like I'm just sitting around listening to music. I'm playing the dicks. Like it, it. I'm not going there. But anyway, yeah, that dude's a star. I'm not surprised. But I'm sure there are times, like at the height of when your label is at its peak, that you've created and you've got artists. People are sweating you. 
you can get a little full of yourself and not really put it in the way you should put it in for a show. But you've disappeared for a few years, and I'm sure he's been putting out music, but, you know, you're back with this legendary band that you had, this legendary group. And he felt, he, he, he said, and I felt like he was being, like he felt humbled that 10 years, they haven't been on stage at least 10 years, and they sold out the show. Yeah. In New York, you know, where they're from. I think, you know, yeah. and it wasn't hipster. Right. I think, you know, like it was, it was, it was, it was good, good testament to the music. And then, I forget what I was going to say, but I will say this, last comment on this nerdy company flowish type thing. I actually had never seen the video for Deep Space Nine Millimeter, which is a single off LP's first solo record. Yeah. That's a really interesting video. I want to say I've seen it, but it's been years. I was I was impressed. The thing about LP is it comes off as kind of this grimy. I mean, he is this this you know kind of arrogant, boisterous uh, white guy with like these kind of like really intricate but like really loud kind of jarring beats and stuff. Yeah. But he he actually like has this whole political dimension to him that comes out if you listen to some of his rhymes and some of the things he said in the past. Like he doesn't. He's not on so like he has he has like a social consciousness to it to a lot of his shit that's kind of ill and yeah and I was impressed by the video Deep Space Nine Millimeter I feel like I'm way I slept because I got admittedly like I was more into his beats than his rhymes when he started doing the solo shit so I just kind of turned him off but yeah. like uh but yeah that, that's an ill video yeah especially well, right right after nine eleven it's an ill video I, I will say. And, you know, we can go down this road if you want. It seems to me that to be a white person, I say this watching this jazz documentary on Netflix, the Ken Burns joint, to be a white person that is with, rolling with a black subculture while it's in the midst of creating some new edgy shit, is kind of inherently political. Like, not, not, not being that person that's, like, on the fringe, borrowing the styles Word. and running off amongst white people, like, g and off on it, Word. right? But, like, when you're rolling with black people, creating with them, sharing space with them, like, that's kind of a political move Word. in some way, right? Like, I, yeah, I mean, I, maybe I, I'm overstating it, but I'm not surprised, I guess, that he's a political cat because I just can't imagine that you, you operate like that without some political edge to you. You know I, what I mean? I feel you. I guess the thing is, like, you just have other, especially these days, you know, with the hipster like takeover. But yeah. but even before that, like, I'm not. I, I can't really say that. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's not that like Eminem is disrespectful to black people or something. But I mean, maybe. No. But but he's, but he has. You know, he's not putting out socially conscious songs. He's not. He's making money. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but he could have like he didn't have to roll with proof like that. He didn't. Have oh to oh yeah, for, for sure, well. for sure, for sure. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah, yeah, never, yeah. he's never ever said you know like okay those dudes got me to this point and now you know I'm just gonna roll with like you know I don't know who in God's name he could have rolled with but you know he could have like gotten a bunch of white kids. He's like okay, it isn't the cats that I run with, and then whatever for all that, right? I guess like, I guess a, a better example would be on some on some hipster like Diplo type shit, like yeah. I guess like I feel I feel like 
I don't know. I just feel like some cats are just geeing off on some hipster like white 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 people like taking hip hop on some some new yeah. you know, shit. And yeah. Major laser. And uh Yeah. And I don't know. I mean I don't I don't know how far we want to go down this road, but I just I just guess like I feel like some some people will clump LP because he's not necessarily He's not necessarily making like he's not he you know like just to just to throw a stereotype out there he's not doing what MC Search did. Yeah. Right. And right. They're based some classic classic cuts Prince Paul all that oh, shit. Oh, yeah. You know like it's not disrespect it's no. just that but he was still within this frame of like hardcore boom bap hip hop. Yeah. And LP started there but then he kind of went into this other area. And that not everyone necessarily could follow, and that's fine. But it was still like kind of like he was doing new shit, and he was keeping it hardcore, and he was keeping it hip hop, even though yeah. it was like kind of out there. And, yeah. And like he was still keeping it like socially conscious at the same time. And I think some cats would say, especially some looking at some of his fans and the whole like deaf jokes and how like kind of white that got, mm-hmm. uh, that. Oh no, he's just he's just a, a hipster geeing off, and I would say that like he probably is geeing off hipsters who bought his records, but right. but like if you if you were gonna hang out with LP, I don't think he's gonna sit there and be on some like hipster bullshit. Right, and right. That's the end of what I was trying to say. Fair enough, fair enough. But then there's the other the other side of it all, which is you know I don't know, people like seeing people that look like them do shit they like. You know? Yeah. So you like hip hop and there's a white guy that's making some hip hop you dig. You know, you gravitate yeah, yeah. towards that cat. Yeah, I don't think yeah, there's yeah. anything necessarily bad about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I yeah. it's it's a complex, intricate conversation and I think, you know, anyway that's important to to have and I don't mean to like just put cats in boxes like that. I guess uh I guess yeah. I just I just feel like with the, all of our fucking hipster conversations, I feel like once cats reach a certain level Sometimes, because in in how you know how this society works, if you're white, some, it's often easier to g off on that shit. Cause oh yeah, cause you know like cause the media and everyone else is gonna like start like pushing you out there on, to a certain degree that they won't push other cats out there. Oh and, no question. And so you know you can either let that go to your head and just become a capitalist, right? Or you can like. You know, you can do various things, but like, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm saying it's LP, I respect for him. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like, uh, on the wire, the brilliant wire, like, uh, Clay Davis says, you know, I take anybody's money if they're giving it to me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to begrudge somebody, especially if you're doing something with a, with integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's certain benefits that come your way through forces that don't have anything to do with you. You know, you can't, like, ah, you know what, I'm not going to take all these record sales because I know some of them are coming at me just because I'm white. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, I, I don't know if you can you can do that, or even if it's fair to yourself or to anybody to do that, especially if you grew up poor, right? Like, Eminem, like, is anybody going to begrudge that dude his cash? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if you can. But it's it's complex because... You know, that's part of it. You know, it's part of why you get pushed the way you do in the media. It's part of why, you know, 
But then also there's an aesthetic. Like if there's an aesthetic to being a black person creating art, I think there's an aesthetic to being a white person creating art. And if and that's different. And so it can resonate in different ways. I mean, the shit that LP was doing, he was doing it was a whole different aesthetic, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it still was the same foundation, but he was bringing he was bringing something to it that was so unique that nobody else was going to bring to it. And that definitely, I'm sure the cats at Pitchfork, you know, <laughs> like going ape shit. I don't know if Pitchfork existed uh-huh. back then. I don't uh-huh. know shit about Pitchfork, but you know what I mean? Like there's like, the certain people in the music intelligentsia that, you know, in, in certain things that like hipster tastemakers look at and go, oh, that shit's cool. Yeah. Even if the person who's making it isn't like, okay, I want hipster tastemakers to feel this shit. Sometimes you just come from an aesthetic that you know, yep. it, it hits them where they're hitting at, and they're like, "Okay, we stand behind this one, even though you may or may not appreciate it." What are you gonna do? Turn your back on the money or the support? Because you right. create some shit, you just want people to dig it. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes it's the people you don't expect to dig it that dig it, but they're looking in your face and saying, "Hey, man, I appreciate what you do." You're gonna be like, "Nah, that's cool and all, but you're not my demographic." Yeah, I mean, Lauren Hill did that, and then you see what happened to her. She like, yeah. Yeah, that didn't work out so well for Lauren Hill. And just to bring it back, is is I just feel like if you if you search for LP videos on YouTube, you're not gonna find a lot. But okay. for for me to pull up the the Deep Space Nine Millimeter one, mm-hmm. he could have he could have done some hipster shit. He could have done some artsy shit. He could have done some hardcore hip hop shit. And instead, he did some conceptual shit. And and especially like. I don't know. I should watch it again. I just watched it real quick before starting the podcast. But uh, for something that came out in like early to mid two thousand and two, I feel like it's it's an interesting video. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I'm gonna check for it. I'm gonna check okay, for it. that's that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of you know sweating the the co flow LP right there and, and yeah and you know. What else are we fucking having to talk about, man? The fucking NBA is... It's trash. Oh, just real quick, man. Just I want to shout out GrandGood.com, man. They got some audio from the, oh, the CodeFlow show. So y'all should call through GrandGood.com. Word. Check that out. Yeah, NBA, man. They're 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 being busters. What's man, that? What? Darren Williams going to Turkey and shit? Yeah. And I don't know what to think about any of that. I'm not. I'm not against it. I just feel like strategically, might not make the union look great. Right. But uh, you know. But ultimately, it's just whack. And then we talked about it in the last podcast that never came out. And uh, and then baseball is whack. It's really whack. The SBs were whack. You know what? the fuck is up with the SPs, man? Dude, I give that zero energy. Like, like what? Like, yo, you're honoring athletes, most of whom are already, like, they won things, right? Yeah. Like, like, yo, you won a championship or you won, like, kind of a semi-championship. Like, you know, like you, you, you won, a, like, an individual award. You got, like, your little MVP trophy. The fuck is an SP compared to an MVP trophy? It's nothing. But you see everyone is there. What does that tell you about what ESPN is? Word. Like, it's the most trash thing. What, do people get on and vote for best team, best play, best catch? Really? 
Isn't that what every episode of Sports Center is? A vote on what's the best whatever? It's fucking corny but, ass shit. But everyone is there. Everyone is there. Those cats got so much dough. Yo, it, it boggles my mind, man. They're in bed with every single major, every single major sport. Yep. You know, like they 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 had to be there. Cats had to be there for the ESPYS. I I can't devote any mental energy to it. No, no. But, I just I just I went to ESPN.com like during it, like the night it was, and they had yeah. a big picture of like Blake Griffin or something with like, and I'm just. It, not only was it self-serving, but it's just like, what the fuck? Like, who gives a fuck? Anyway, so that's yeah. my shit on that. Yeah, we, we that's great analysis, but also it's a dead. It's a this is that this is the sports dead zone. It is it's the sports uh, just. And I mean, look, congratulations, Japan! Exciting game that I didn't see. Yeah, I caught the I caught the last little bit of it, man. And I, I just. Yeah, it's just a bug out that like cats get so they get so into the shit. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't hate on it, but I had two different feelings. So I was biking home today from Manhattan, mm-hmm. and I'm uh I'm biking through on Grand Street down in Soho, west west side over to the east side, and on the west side Grand Street Soho, you got it's so expensive over there that it's mostly Europeans that live over there, but um. So to stereotype a lot of soccer fans, mm-hmm. and but then there's just a lot more soccer fans in general. Now, on one hand, and it was also in the village too. One hand, riding up Grand Street and literally hearing the cheers and the ah, oh, right, coming out of multiple bars, right, ahead of blocks ahead of you, and as you're biking past, it's pretty fucking amazing. That's why I love sports, right, but. Not to echo fucking, like, Levitard, but it's, it's just weird sometimes, the bandwagon aspect. I'm, I don't want to hate on it, because I've done it before, too. I'm down to go kick it, have a brew, check a game. It's exciting, classic. But there's something about it, I don't know what it is, that irks me a little bit. And that's all I have to say. Fair enough. But the cheers were pretty fresh, I gotta say. That's why yeah. I love fucking sports. Yeah, but man, America is so bandwagony. We're just so bandwagony. So bandwagon. <clears throat> I mean, I, I I can't front. I was checking for it. Like I, I was busy, so I wasn't watching it. But you know, I'm walking a dog and see the neighbor. Oh, they're tied. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, I go home. I'm gonna watch it. But you know, I've been checking for, you know, little bits of sports talk here and there because I'm a fiend. And so Hope Solo, the goalkeeper for the women's team, was on talking. The homie was running her jibs a little too much, man. She was taunting the sports gods, yo. She Word. was taunting them. I know you're confident, right? She's confident. She's very good. She's considered the best goalkeeper in the world. She was taunting the sports gods, yo. She was out there, like, and, you know, you could say during the finals, maybe Jason Terry was doing that a little bit with, oh, let's see if LeBron can guard me. He was like, oh, okay. That's what everybody said. Oh, okay. But what nobody saying to Hope Solo? Because it's America. It's the women. And it's the World Cup. And mm-hmm. I was just like, hmm. And then, you know, when it was like against Japan, and, you know, the whole tsunami went down, and the yep. nuclear thing went down, it's like, you know what? You're taunting the sports gods. And then sports gods are kind of looking out. You know, it was ridiculous. I'm sure those women were just extra focused. 
it really meant a lot to them, I'm sure, to go play for their country and try to bring something great home. And just, you know, sometimes a group of people that are really focused and really passionate, you know, they have the best of intentions. And it just brings out the best in everything about them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, meanwhile, on the other side, it's a little taste of hubris. You know what I mean? A little yep. taste of ego jumping off. Yep. Running your jibs a little bit. We beat them twice already. You know, just a little, a little too much, a little too much. And then in the back of your mind, you're thinking, it would be kind of fresh if Japan won. Right. right? Like, if they lost in a, a round or two before, they'd have been rooting for Japan. Word. Now, now they're in that fucked up position where they got to, like, play Japan. It's like, well, we want our goals. We've worked our lives for it. Yeah. But it would be kind of fresh if... I don't know. I think that kind of shit plays in. And I bet, you know, they probably are sick about it and they'll be sick about it for years. But there probably always be a little part of them that's ah, yeah, that's kind of fresh Japan. Yeah. I hope that's the, but the Americans, man, people all fired up on Facebook. We're having a party, a World Cup party. You wouldn't give a rat's ass if if I know, man. America that's the thing. You weren't paying attention. No, which one. I mean, you know, it's just ah, it just bugs out. You know, good friends calling me up. Yo, you gonna watch the game tomorrow too? <laughs> <laughs> it's like no word. You watched the last two games? Nah, I right. missed them. Yeah, right. you did miss them. <laughs> you even know they were on? Yep. Yep. Word. See, it's it's weird being from Cleveland on Facebook. All my little Cleveland Facebook friends, I got a lot of friends from high school. When LeBron was still in the team and they were making them little playoff runs, everybody just on Facebook, oh, Cavs, Cavs, Cavs. <laughs> I made a female voice on purpose because it was mad women just love my Cavs. You go, Cavs. You go, Brian. Just all just fired up about some cats. And Brian gone, crickets. 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 I throw up a little post on the draft, and nobody says shit on my post. No likes, no nothing, no comments, nothing. Nah, bandwagon man. shit, man. Bandwagon. And that's just how it is, man. America it called is. it out. America's bandwagon. I remember, I remember what, when was it? In high school. The Blazers weren't even that bad back then. This was before the whole early 2000s. In high school, I went to a Spearhead show. <laughs> I'm getting real out there, right? Get ready, Spearhead, Michael Franti. <laughs> right, right, right. Michael Franti is a big basketball fan. Worried. Michael Franti, yeah, he had a whole, he had a, he had a whole, uh, a whole couple songs about ball. Not that they were big hits. But you would you wouldn't imagine so. Leah is going to kill us for for this man. Um, yo, so I'm sorry. The spearhead talks about basketball. How big? Could they, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so yo, I was I thought I thought the first incarnation of Spearhead was all right, and, and plus they were opening for the Fuji, so I went and saw the Fuji's and Spearhead. This is back. Oh, 94, 95. Yeah. All right? Yeah, yeah. So, 94, 95, Blazers were on the downhill slope. Uh, Clyde had moved on to Houston. I think, um, I think, I mean, I think Terry and Jerome have both moved on. I think Cliff Robinson, Uncle Cliffy, was leading the team, and he was about to move somewhere else. So. Wow. I think we were about we either had or we were about to get Rod Strickland. Um, we we wow. still made the playoffs every year, but we never made, didn't make it out of the first round almost ever, right? Right. right. So 
Um, and this is a long ass story for this little ass quote. So Michael Franti comes to town, and he he's doing the show, and it's actually a good show. They had a full band, etc. It's a little interlude, and he's like, "Yo, how many Blazer fans in the audience?" Right now, right. you know, during those three or four years, Clyde, the classic team, oh, went yeah. to the finals twice. Yep. The city was thumping. The city was hype. Crazy everywhere. Everyone's like, oh, the Blazers, Blazers. We had big parts. I was a little kid. We still had the family parties getting together and shit. So two years later, I'm at the fucking Spearhead concert. A lot of people there. Fucking Blazer fans in the audience. People were like, boo. Wow. He's like, come on, man. He's like, I'm a, I'm a, Born and raised Golden State Warrior fan. He's like, he's like, you gotta, you gotta go through the bad times. Now, admittedly, the Golden State Warriors have, have they ever had good times? I was just, I was thinking to myself, maybe, maybe Barry led them to a title. Did he? Maybe Rick Barry led them to a title. Did that happen? A long time ago. Yeah, I, I think they did win one. Ooh. Yeah, but that definitely is one of those franchises that fandom, being a fan of the Warriors means being a fan during sucking. That's yeah. just what it means, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, being a fan of the, Blur, of the Blazers, there are, are frequent times where that means being a fan of a good team. Even now, they're a good team. Yeah. But people, I mean, people like them because people have been, but people are, it's a little, it's a little edgy right now, I think, the feeling important. A little edgy. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Edgy. Fair enough. Yeah. But, uh, I just want to say, on my run tonight, before the show, another classic Jersey sighting. Yeah. I'm on the Brooklyn Bridge. The Milwaukee Bucks, Ray Allen. Ooh. Boom. Ooh, that's a nice one. Boom. That's a nice one. Yes. uh, You know, history will shine a brighter light on Jesus Shuttlesworth than I thought it would have at one point. Yep, yep, me too. I, I, I agree. He's a better player than we give him credit for. Um, I got a role. I, I was actually going to try to punk out on watching the dog. Yeah. But uh, I did, she's laying here next to me, and her feet are mad crusty. We can't let it go down. Yeah, man, watching the dog is and, an important and, activity. And if you is. didn't know, this is Fresher Than Your Father podcast number 23, the Michael Jordan episode. Whoa. And it might have been our, this is our Jordan episode, because for not just because of the number, but because this was like the podcast equivalent of Jordan. That's right. You That's weren't bullshit. even ready. No, it, yeah. really, it really, I'm not sure. No, it was very esoteric. I mean, we just started off just like, whoa, yeah. we're in here. We're talking now. Uh, quick question before we bounce, though. You yes. did attend the screening. All of us that are outside of major cities, we're like in a tizzy waiting for this shit. You saw a screening of Beach Rhymes. I did. You haven't downloaded the download link? I tried it. It didn't work. Word. Um, but it'll be here in August, early August. It'll be here. It's classic, man. It's a good movie. I don't. Yeah. It doesn't give me any love for Rappaport. I think he's just kind of a jerk. Yeah. But uh, he made a good movie. He That's made a so. he made a great movie, honestly. Wow. People are. People are. Everyone is 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 three dimensional in it, and it's it's uh. You get both a slice of history and classic shit, and then you get a slice of kind of the drama. Yeah. And it uh, it's real, I guess. I feel like it comes off real. It comes off like 
people are people and human beings, and sometimes things aren't all great, but people are still human beings and still good people and artists at the end of the day. So, yeah. and, and no issues with clearing rights for the music. The music is all there. The music is all there. What do you mean? Well, you know, sometimes, and this, is, this really only happens on bootleg stuff, and I know that Tribe were listed as co-producers, so I doubt this is ever the case, but, you know, sometimes little label things get involved, oh, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. issues, and they can't really play the tracks. Now, they're playing the tracks. They're interviewing um, the head of Jive. Word up. Um, and they're, uh, yeah, they're playing the tracks, and then Madlib is coming. He's dropping some sick beats in between. Oh. Sick oh. beats. Like and there is a sighting at the end of our man, the mystery man of mystery men in native tongue lore, for just a moment. You know who I'm talking about. Skeff Anson. He gets props, too. I'm so excited for this. I just, I, I, I'm so glad, too, that like people are talking about Tribe and... and I don't know. It's just exciting that that they're out here, right? Like Entertainment Weekly is running reviews of the movie, and there's whole people are checking for it, man. I know it'll be on Netflix and shit, and well, I hope it'll be net on Netflix at some point streaming, and people could just check it, man. Like, because more than anything, I just their music is just so brilliant, and it just deserves so many more ears than it gets. <clears throat> I'm not getting emotional. I just have some shit in my throat. It's just. You know, I'm always, I, I can't get over all these years later how great Midnight Marauder sounds. It just, I can't get over how it hasn't aged one bit and probably sounds better than it did at the time. And their catalog is just so brilliant. I just want people to check for it. I just want people talking about it. I want people to look at their shit and be like, oh, try it. I just, yeah. I'm really glad it happened. There's no, there's no group or music or whatever that has affected my life more than Tribe Called Quest. That's just the, that's, where I am today is only because, not only because, that's a little over the top. Where I am today would not be, where I would not be here without Tribe Called Quest. I would be here somewhere else, but. Right, right. But I don't know if I'd be in New York. I don't know if I'd have turntables. I, I definitely wouldn't know half the people I know. It, I would be living a very different life if I had never bought that low-end theory cassette. Yeah. That's, my friends, Fresher Than Your Father podcast, where we get heavy on Tribe Called Quest. Very heavy. Everything we got heavy on. It gets heavy. But now, it's time to wash some dogs. Time to wash some dogs. Yeah. She's napped out. She doesn't know the terror that's coming her way. about to go down. It really is. I'm going to take her for a walk in 90 degree weather and I'm going to spray her with water to soap her up. Word. Like anyone outside of this apartment gave a shit. I just explained what was going to go down. <laughs> About yeah, to no, go down. No one gives a shit. All right, fresh than your father. We're out. Peace.